0: Well, this morning we're in a series, we're coming to the very end of the series called He Restores My Soul. And today we're going to talk about a very difficult subject. It's about that subject where someone gets to the point where they take their life. And so before we get into that, I'd like you to please stand with me out of respect for God's Word. And I'm going to read from the book of 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 19, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom brush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said, take my life. I am no better than any of my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. All at once, the angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then he lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him with it and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave, and he spent the night. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we gather here this morning, we do so in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Lord, it's a privilege to gather here as your people. And today, Father, once again, we're telling you we need you. We need your presence. We need your strength. And fathers, we talk about a very difficult subject. We talk about this because the truth needs to be proclaimed. And truth has a name. His name is Jesus. So as we proclaim God's word and God's truth today, Lord, we know that lives will be changed and transformed for eternity. This is our prayer. And it's in Jesus' name I pray and all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. I wanna go through a couple of slides before I invite the crew, as I call them, my crew to come up and join me up on the stage here. And we're gonna have a discussion about what a lot of people don't like to hear about, and that's the word suicide. But before we do that, I want you to know a little bit about why we're doing what we're doing. And there's a specific reason about that, okay? The first thing is this, there are 130 suicides that are committed each and every day in the United States. The second thing I want you to know was that in 2019, 1.38 million, there were 1.38 million suicide attempts, 47,511 Americans died by suicide. Here's the next thing I want you to see. It's the second leading cause of death between individuals of 10 and 34 years old and twice as many suicides in the United States than there are homicides. That's why we're talking about what we're talking about. You see, my friends, I think it's been too long, and the church included in this, we have not talked about some of the tough subjects. And there's a stigma about this, and that stigma needs to be removed. You see, there's too many people in the world that think that if you're a Christian, that you should be immune from depression, anxiety, and even thoughts of taking your own life, and that is not true. I also want you to know this, there's another stigma or another belief that many people believe and that is this, is that when someone takes their life, that's the one sin that God can't forgive. That's the farthest thing from the truth. You see, when you say that, when you believe that, then what you are saying is that God doesn't have the power to die and forgive all of our sins. And I want you to know that my God is a lot more powerful than that. Amen? Amen. There isn't any sin. In fact, the Bible tells us in Romans, there is now no condemnation. God does not point the finger at us. And so we need to talk about these issues. And we need to learn as a church how we handle these issues, and especially when there's a brother or sister in Christ who walks this very painful journey. And that's what we're going to do today. So, my dear friends in Christ, would you please help me welcome my crew once again back to the stage? Gina went blazing. Coach Mark Potter, and our guest this morning, Mr. Phil Smith. Would you please welcome them to the stage? I've got them trained pretty well, don't I? (laughs) No. We've spent so much time together. It's been uh, the last two weeks, and now it's the third week, and here we are. We're going to talk about a, a very difficult issue today. But um, before we do that, I just want to put this up on the, on the, on the screen. And um, what I would just say is that if there is anyone in here today who is having any thoughts of harming yourself or hurting yourself or taking your own life, this is a number that you need to know. I want you to call that number, okay? Don't wait. And the other thing I want you to understand about this number is that I have found out is that when you call this number, what they do is they put you in touch with people who are in your local area. But I also want you to know is that if there is a place where you feel like you need to go, um, where you need to just personally, you need to go and physically be with somebody so that you can talk to them, I want you to jot that number down. And we're gonna put these numbers up throughout this message so that if there's anybody, anybody, or you know of anybody that's struggling with this, that we don't waste any time and we take action. That's what we want to do. So this morning, Gene, I thought I would talk with you, if that's okay, and maybe just kind of begin. And I want to just share with you a phrase that we've heard when it comes to um, this issue. It's a permanent, irreversible attempt to handle a temporary problem. And I think with that, what we're talking about here and, and what we learn is that Emotions come in waves. We know anxiety leads to depression and depression can take us to a very, very dark place. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but I really don't believe that there's anybody that wants to take their life. I don't believe that there's somebody that wants to kill themselves. I do believe this. I believe that they're dealing with so much pain in their life that they just want to end that pain in their life. Am I right in thinking that, or what would you
1: say?
2: Yes, I would, uh, and, and that's a conversation that I have quite often with folks in the therapy suite. Um, they're suffering so much that they just don't want to suffer anymore, but they really don't want to die, but they don't think there's any other way. Um, and so there are, that phrase you use when we started, it's a, it's a permanent solution to a temporary issue. I've used that a lot in the therapy room and people resonate with that. Uh, my hairdresser Saturday said he had never heard that before. He resonated with it. And then there's that other perspective. If I might share that other perspective, and this happened, happened to me, um, in a discussion a while back, many years ago, when I used that phrase to sort of help orient our discussion, and a gentleman said to me, with all due respect, I've been dealing with this for 10 years. I, I'm not sure this is temporary. Yeah. And so then that took the discussion to a, a different um, route. And he, he did very well over time, but um, it was a fair response from him
0: those emotions come and when they come, they kind of come in waves. Yes, yes. And, but we also know that they don't last forever, but
2: right.
0: it's still, I can't imagine being in that place of right. so much pain. One of the things maybe, we have talked a little bit about some coaching, um, some emotional coaching. I think yes. that's something maybe that all of us could benefit from here right. is, you know, leading up and, and dealing with our emotions. Mm-hmm. Share with us a little bit about what you meant by that.
2: Yes, I, I think I used the phrase, there's, there's two different phrases that I've used. One is emotional intelligence. Um, It's a big word. There are many, many articles written about it, many books. Um, Email me if you want a book list. Um, I love the topic. And what it means is there's, there's several different phases of emotional intelligence, and I think it would behoove all of us to become more and more and more emotionally intelligent. And that basically is being able to understand and label your own emotions, being able to manage those emotions. Um, those are the first two steps. The third step would be understanding the social emotion of those around you and being able to have discussion um, in that. And then the fourth phase is really being able to handle conflict, being able to maybe handle um, situations that, that aren't as easy to handle and being able to maneuver that. Um, because I think we need to understand, some people try to outrun their emotions client, delightful um, young lady about five years ago. And the discussion led to her saying, you know, I keep trying to to get better and to, you know, I keep running and running. And then she stopped and she looked at me and said, am I trying to outrun my emotions? And it was a beautiful transition. We both started laughing. Um, and I said, yeah, it's like trying to outrun your shadow because our emotions, I think, are God-given. And I think they tell us something. It's that it's that um, uh, dashboard on your car that you look at to say, oh, I'm running out of gas. Oh, I need to do this. Oh, the engine light's on. And I think our emotions are very similar yeah. to that.
0: It's important for us to feel our emotions, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yes. we can't go through an emotion unless we're, we're feeling it. And. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's talking with someone, right. but one thing we know, it's not suppressing it. That's, right. that's not how you deal with your emotions because you're gonna deal with them eventually, right?
2: Absolutely. I think I would shared with you, you know, if we keep avoiding them and that's uh, all humans avoid what's uncomfortable, that's kind of a given. Um, I will tease some folks that I'm such a science nerd. It's like if you look at an amoeba under the microscope and start poking it, it's also gonna start avoiding that poke, right? but we we just can't keep doing that. And what happens is we keep stuffing it and avoiding it. I think I may have mentioned this last time, but it it will keep coming back and it will keep whispering and then it'll knock and then the doorbell rings and then you hear the beating and it's gonna kick your door down. And sometimes that's well into life and sometimes not. And so we just have to take that very seriously, not be afraid of it, Uh, not be afraid of our emotions, but learn to befriend And I always swore I would never say that years ago when I first started therapy. Um, I've now come to that conclusion that it's it's a worthy thing to do is to understand who we are as emotional beings and then be able to work through it.
0: And I think, Mark, you had said in a lot of times when you go out and speak that we as men a lot of times think that it's strength when we can push it down and just push through. But you've said just the opposite about that, dealing with emotions.
3: I mean, that's the way we were raised is to, you know, to try to hide our feelings and try to hide our emotions and, um, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again, you know, it's been 16 years ago since I went through the depression and had the suicidal thoughts, and it changed my life because I recognized at that point in time, number one, it's okay to show my emotions, and number two, it's, it's okay to share my emotions with others. And that has, you know, again, changed, uh, changed our lives. So. And that's actually strength, isn't it? There's, stre- there's strength in getting help. There's yeah. strength in showing your emotion.
0: So we should say to all the ladies in here that when your husband shares these deep emotions with you, that they should be thinking, what a man. That's exactly <laughs> that what right? they should be thinking. <laughs> right?
3: No question about it. <laughs> all
0: right, good. <laughs> We've got a guest with us this morning, and Phil Smith, Phil and I go way back. We have a, a very good friendship, and um, Phil, thanks for coming up and sharing with us. But can I brag on you just a little bit <laughs> yeah. i 'm going to no matter what so so phil i don 't know if maybe you know this, but Phil one time was uh, part of the Secret Service, and um, he was on president ronald reagan 's um, detail and there 's one story that he knows that took place out in California. Would you just share that, please?
1: Oh, all right. (laughs) (laughs) So President Reagan had a ranch in Santa Barbara and we would go there once a month and it would last a week. And um, it involved riding horses and also uh, chopping wood. So on Wednesday, Mrs. Reagan would go home and then as President Reagan said, it would be just the boys and him meaning us agents, to go ride horses. And you have to understand the horse riding was just a walk. It was the trails that were already well established and it was just a gradual walk all the way through on this uh, particular ride. Well, we came to an opening, a meadow on his property and uh, there were several of us agents and President Reagan. And all of a sudden his horse just took off like a shot and and we're like a bee sting a snake bite what and i mean that horse was on a dead run across the meadow we take off after him because we were taught not only in our equestrian training but also uh, to keep him safe we taught actually how to get up to the side of him and take him off his horse well i'm going as fast as i can and we're going up there and finally he comes to a stop right at the end of the meadow we come riding up to him and say mr president are you okay what's going on and he says well, I just wanted to see if I could still do that. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So after our heart attack, and we, it's like, you know, let us know you want to oh, do yeah. that next time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so. Thanks for sharing that story. That never gets old. Well, Phil, the, the reason that we have here is because um, you experienced— um, uh, a son who um took his life and what i would like to do if you don't mind phil would you just share with us a little bit introduce us to adam tell us about adam
1: adam was our youngest son and uh, he made quite an impact coming into the world since he weighed 10 pounds and his mama uh, <laughs> really remembered that day uh, <laughs> um adam was uh, just a great kid um he was talented, he was smart, um, he knew what he wanted. He was very uh, particular about things, whether the clothes he wore, whatever type of gift he wanted for Christmas, it was, he knew exactly what he wanted. He was very particular. Um, as he got older, he was getting A's in school, but he'd be frustrated because his perfectionism would get to the point where he couldn't do, he wouldn't have the end result of what he thought he should have. And, um, Caused him a little bit of issues <laughs> with a teacher and counselors, but um, he grew to be uh, very handsome, um, very athletic. He um, played piano and violin. He sang. Um, it was just, you know, great kid.
0: Yeah. So, at, or so, Phil. What, one of the things that I want to ask you is that, um, so to kind of lay the foundation, can you share with us? some of the struggles that that Adam went through um, as as he was growing up.
1: Well, I mentioned his perfectionism. He wanted to have everything just right and that caused him some issues. Um, We saw a change right around um, 14, 15 years old and it seems like that's commonplace for a lot of kids, but he started coming up with half-truths to his mom. He never lied to her before and he also... um, would go to a friend's house, we thought there'd be adult supervision and we found out that there wasn't and he began drinking alcohol and um, trying other things that he shouldn't have, like marijuana. Um, he, he didn't really share with us all the problems that were going on in his head. I mean, he talked a lot with his mom. My job unfortunately kept me away quite a bit, so I wasn't there. Um, as much as I would have liked to have been.
0: So, Phil, since Adam's passing, and, and Adam passed away, it was a year ago, just this last March. March, that's correct. Correct. Um, so, since that time, um, what are some of the questions that you and Deanne and your family have been have been dealing with, with that whole thing?
1: I think the first question that comes to mind is, why did we only get to have him for 26 years? He. And on the other hand, well, you got to have him for 26 years. So he, um, he was such a wonderful kid and we had you know such great um, anticipation for his life. I, I wanted to meet his wife and his kids and I wanted to see him become successful uh, in a, a job situation and uh, we didn't get to see that. Um, so I think the questions like that are something that um, I really wanna ask God yeah. when I get up there. Yeah.
0: Um, Phil, <clears throat> for someone that is here today that may be dealing with a child or a loved one who's going through this, because not only did you go through this with Adam in March, But then just a month or two later, you went through the same thing with your brother. That's true. Who who also took his life. And your poor mom, who's what, 91 years old and um, having to deal with a grandson and then her son. um, Boy, there's been a, a lot of tragedy, obviously, in your life. And maybe one of the things that I would do or ask you is that, so if you had to give some wisdom or some advice for someone in here who's dealing with, um, a family member that's struggling with mental illness, um, what, what, would, what would you
1: say to them? I think they need to recognize uh, the signs of um, depression and anxiety, uh, alcoholism. They need to be aware as a family member, if you see those signs in your loved one, you need to be cognizant of what that is and, and how the proper reaction to that is adam hid a lot of his um, things well to us Um, and you need to make contact with him every day Um, there wasn't a day when i was there that i didn't tell him i loved him and um, he was raised in the church he was given a christ foundation he was raised in that environment and um, we did our best and i believe that it's not um, a stigma that you should look at like oh you 've got problems we don 't want to deal with them, you need to face them and help them get through them and uh, I just wish I could have seen more of what was going on, so we could have dealt with it. We did try counseling with him, we did try uh, rehab with him, um, but um, the result wasn 't what I would hope for when when the
0: event happened it wasn't something that you expected was it no no. and on top of that you had shared with me that about your relationship with Adam um, how you were rebuilding that relationship and share a little bit about some of the things that took place um, that Adam did with you um, as he was just trying to cope with with life
1: we started and he got away from going to church he was living in wichita on his own and we um practically dragged him <laughs> to church we'd say let's go to church and so we started a routine that uh, we would meet him for sunday service and then we would go to lunch and um, after that i i swim and i talked him into buying some goggles and going to the y sunday afternoon and we would take time and we would um go swim, we'd sit in a sauna and just talk. And I got to know, you know, he'd say things like, geez, I didn't know that about you, dad. And um, kind of broke my heart, but I wanted him to see me. He had a different, in my mind, he had a different view of me after I started talking to him. He thought I was way up here, somebody that you can't really touch, somebody that never could achieve to be. And um, I needed him to know reality of who his dad really was we had
0: when we talked you had share with me some of the things that adam did in his own way of coping with what he was doing um, when he would go home from work share with us a little bit about that
1: as i mentioned adam had a real issue with alcohol and uh, if people have that you shouldn't be ashamed of it you'd be something you just need to deal with and work with and a sponsor is somebody that helps an alcoholic go through those steps Adam tried some sponsors, and I saw that he had some on his phone afterwards, but he would use me as a sponsor, and I didn't realize it at first, but he'd leave his work, he'd get in his car, and he'd drive home, and I'd get a call around the same, e- same time in the evening, and it was Adam, and he's just talking to me. And finally, I realized, and I even asked him about it, but he had a temptation after work to go to a liquor store. And if he was talking on the phone with his dad, then he wouldn't do that. So, yeah. On his way home, he would call, and we'd talk. And then uh, he'd say, well, I'm home, Dad. And I'd say, okay. And I'll talk to you in the morning. Wow. So, Phil, I know that
0: as we're here, we're all looking at you and everybody's thinking, how in the world could someone go through what you're going through? And obviously, as we can see, obviously it's, it's something that's very painful and I don't think that ever goes away. You, you learn maybe to work through it, but it never really goes away. But Phil, let me ask you, um, so you've, you've grown up in the church. Can you share with us a little bit about some of the hope that you've received from from the Lord that's helped you deal with this tragedy?
1: I was probably six months after Adam passed. Um, I just, I had, during the time we went to church, there was altar call almost every time. And um, Adam would sit right next to me and the pastor talked about um would you like to accept Christ in your life and if you would uh, just repeat these words after me and I I didn't hear him say but I saw his mouth worthy making words um and his head was bowed and afterwards the pastor said now if you would like to um afterwards you've accepted Christ you would like to further your journey in that direction in the back there's a packet i'd like to give you with the bible and um and some other literature and when we left adam went right out there and grabbed that now he had gone to church here and miss brenda led him to christ a long time ago but it was just i think affirmation that he knew who christ was and he uh, was in his heart you know, the other thing i was given um About six months after, as I started to say, I was walking from the bedroom into the bathroom, and all of a sudden I saw in my mind uh, just a picture. It was a picture of my son's back of his head, face to face with Christ. And it came to me that he had, he was no more, no No further was he an alcoholic, and he didn't have scars on him, and he didn't have all the other things that he had, and that he was perfect before the throne. And um, that gave me hope,
0: real hope. And I'll bet you hold on to that with everything you can, don't you?
1: Yeah.
0: I do. So, Phil. if there's somebody here this morning that is having thoughts of of hurting themselves of harming themselves um and then Gina and Mark I'd love for you to jump in on this too is that what would be what, what would you say to them Phil
1: I am i would hope that this talk today may deter someone else who's going down the same path that my son did that that's not the answer that they would seek help and they would see that it's the things that go on in your mind to make you feel that way there's help for you there's counseling and there's uh, prescriptions etc and there is a way better choice than taking that. And I pray that this would be in the memory of Adam, that um, he had a compassionate heart, he loved people, and he didn't care he was colorblind. I don't care who you were, what race, creed, whatever, he loved people, and uh, he had great love in his heart. You know, just to statistically, it affects at least 30 people when you take your life. and. Um, there are people who love you and care for you. And if you feel there's nobody like that at all, Christ loves you. He really does. Yep. Do you know, what are
0: your, your thoughts on that? You know, um, I mean, so here we are and th- that pain in an individual's life, and then they look at a dad and the pain, right. and they think that, okay, I just need to get through my pain, but there's so much more to the story. What can right. you?
2: Um, And I think it goes back to, you know, if you're hurting, you need to seek help. Um, We know, and I haven't dug into this statistic, but we know that over half of the suicides are um, very impulsive. In other words, um, something may have happened, the emotions go way above and beyond or deeper than what is healthy, and the person then decides to do it. And and it's, it's knowing that and holding out it will get better, it, it gets better. I, I always tell folks, I, I can't tell you the timing of this, but I promise it gets better. And even if it gets 5% better or 10%, you're on a journey. So you need to reach out and get help.
1: Yeah. I wanted to make one comment. when you said that um, one of our church members, which this church body has been terrific to us and helped us immensely and continue to do so. But one of the church members, Came up to me and she said, Adam forgot for just one second how much he was loved. And that's all it took.
2: Yeah. That that was a great, I'm going to use that (laughs) because (laughs) it's so true. You know, I think about it and I think again, it goes into when you're in the depths of the darkness, it, it can be really hard to remember that you are loved, that we do have a purpose. I believe that with every fiber of who I am. um, I'm glad I didn't do it my junior year in college, and I can, oh man, didn't expect this, sorry. Um, That's all I'm gonna say about that, but I'm just glad I didn't do it. I'm glad that I went a little bit further and reached out for help. And so thanks for that reminder. So
0: Mark, you were there. And I know you're not thinking about anybody else in that time, but I mean, go
3: ahead. Why'd you have to start crying like that? (laughs) I'm sorry. So
2: well, three times right at the end, right?
3: You know, last night as I was kind of preparing, you know, whatever the thoughts may be, you know, as we, the Holy Spirit leads us today to talk about this very difficult subject, you know, I just jotted down, uh, some things that I was feeling as I was going through it and you know we talked about many of the symptoms and signs but the words that I wrote down that I was feeling specifically and this happened literally within a um, about a four and a half five week period was hopeless and worthless and helpless overwhelmed guilty and really embarrassed that I couldn't handle my daily duties you know and uh You don't, you know, I can remember driving from our house in Cheney to Newman University where I was coaching, and that 30-minute drive, and I just was thinking I'm so overwhelmed with my thoughts, and, um, and I do remember thinking of my wonderful wife and our two wonderful children and you know, our granddaughters, but when you're overwhelmed with those thoughts, um, the thought comes to mind like maybe maybe i can just you know i'm I'm hurting other people and that's how unfortunately the brain starts to work a lot of times when you know we talk about that chemical imbalance and um you know i'm thankful and i'm i'm blessed that that i didn't have to i didn't go that far you know but one thing that i do want to say today and phil and i just briefly talked about this before we came on stage today was um you know, there's such a fear of talking about it, and uh, I mean, my goodness, you know, Phil's up here talking about his son a year afterwards, and, and, and I have so much respect for that, because really for 16 years, what we've been trying to do is get the word out to let people know there is strength in getting help. And uh, one of the things that we have learned, and, and you might add to this uh, from your perspective, would be, you know, when we speak to somebody and they start telling us after we speak to them, hey, we're, I'm really struggling with this, this, and this, I always ask the question if I think there's any inclination of, of a possible uh, thoughts of suicide, I ask the question straight up. I, I don't mess around anymore. I don't, I'm not fearful anymore of saying, hey, do you have suicidal thoughts? because I, wanna, I, wanna know, I want them to know, listen, we're here to help you, we're here to walk with you, we're here to walk the walk. You know, whether it's here today or down the line, man, let's, let's get this thing done and let's go get the help that we need. But I'd like to hear your thoughts real quickly on, on that.
2: Yeah, you bring up an excellent point because I think we, because of the stigma, we, we don't wanna talk about it or we feel uncomfortable, we're not sure what to say. But I think even more than that, for so many years we think if we bring it up that might increase their tendencies to want to follow through, and the research shows the opposite of that. Bring it up, talk about it, because then you get it out, you have a plan, and it reduces yeah. the tendencies. I might add
3: one more story. Uh, we were at a high school about a month ago speaking, and um, a high school student came up to me afterwards and said, Coach, I've, I've had my suicide planned uh, for over a year. And, um, you know, I said, I said, well, so how are you doing now? And why did you come and talk to me today? And he said, well, coach, he said, I, after hearing your story and listening to the struggles that you had, he said, you know, I, I guess I do realize there's hope. And uh, so I immediately looked over and I got the high school counselor and they came over and they started working with that young man. and. I was driving on a Saturday afternoon, and I got a phone call. I didn't even know the n- phone number, and it was that, that boy that I'd talked to. He said, Coach, I want you to know I burned the two suicide notes that I had already written. There's strength in talking about it. That's all I can say. There's yep. strength in talking about yep. it.
0: Amen. So, Gene, I have a slide on the, oh, behind you there that yes, you can sir. visit with. I know you want to talk about that, so go yes. ahead. Yes.
2: Well... Um, these are, and, you, and you'll see lots of different action steps, and we have a handout on that as well, but these are the five action steps that I think really encompass um, a nice plan for folks. And as we've already talked about some of these, you know, ask the person that you might be concerned about, um, you know, are you thinking about killing yourself? Um, don't be afraid to ask that question. It opens up great discussion. Um, and then on the handout we have, there's also some tidbits on different types of ways to ask the question and just a few other things about how to have that discussion. Um, keep them safe, you know, and you've probably all heard about this, you know, uh, reducing access to guns. Um, that seems to be the number one way of, of uh, taking your own life is with a firearm. Um, but reduce access to firearms, to extra medications, you know, put locks on um, medication uh, closets or whatever we, we call them now. Um, I would even ask them, uh, when you ask them about killing themselves, I mean, do they have a plan? Talk through that. Be there. As, I, as we said in the last couple of sessions, it's love them, listen to them, and support them. So we want to listen very carefully. Um, about their feelings. I would highly caution people to say things like, um, you know, that that's cowardly. Uh, why would you do that? That's selfish. Because I've heard those deci- discussions take place. Just be there for them. Listen to what they have to say um, and support them. Uh, help connect them. We've Put the number on the num- uh, on the screen of the National Suicide Hotline. There are lots of different organizations, locally, nationally. Uh, if if it's a crisis, 911, ER, CalmCare Crisis, there are people there that want to help. So helping keep contact and help them find contact. oh, here we go, Uh, stay connected, follow up with your loved ones or friends or family members that are struggling. Um, Studies show that the number of suicide deaths decrease uh, when someone follows up with an at-risk person, so staying in touch. It's things like, I worked with one family and, you know, it was things like when you're parents or your friends text you, you need to text them back, even if it's a thumbs up, just to let them know you're doing okay. And so it's having a plan. That's the other handout we have is a what we call a safety plan. And it's steps of things that you can do with a family member who's at risk, or if you don't want anyone to know right now, you can look through that, that safety plan and start answering some of those questions. Think ahead so that when you're in crisis, you have something that you can go to.
0: So let me just ask one last question, then I'm going to end it with Phil. Okay. Um, so when does it become serious, or is that even a question? In other words, w- when do I know that, okay, now this is really a serious deal, or, That's well, I've still got some time where I c- you know.
2: That's a great question. I, you know, my first response to that when we've talked about it before is, um, if there's any inclination, it's serious, I think. Now, I've had families, you know, or people that come in and go, man, my whole family jumped the gun. They thought I was gonna kill myself. I wasn't, I just made this comment. It was, you know, well, I-, I would say, when in doubt, take it seriously. I heard on, I'll be real quick with this. I think it was on Focus on the Family. I only listened to Bot Radio 94.3. I gotta get my plug in for Bot Radio. Um, but it was Focus on the Family, I think. And, and it wasn't on suicide, but this mother said, she said, I told my daughter that I loved her so much that I would risk her being angry with me, mad at me, and never talking to me again because I was going to keep her safe. That was profound to me. Awesome. Yeah.
0: So Phil, man, I want to say thank you for coming and being a part of this, but I got one, one last question for you, okay? Um, and we've talked about this, so why are you doing this?
1: I kind of touched on a little bit. I'm doing this for Adam, for Adam's sake and his memory. Um, I believe that um, God's ways are not my ways. I don't understand everything that went on. And I told you some of the questions I have, and I I really am gonna ask him when I get up there. Um, If it changes the direction of somebody's thoughts, somebody who is looking at that as the only alternative that um that if it saves one life then this is worth it and uh also they may find christ in a deeper relationship as well
0: and you and you are already since adam's passing you are investing yourself in some other lives already yeah. of individuals who are
1: struggling
0: and giving them hope.
1: It's not as if uh, they're replacement for Adam, but there's some young men that I've known, and um, one in particular since he was 15, and um, he's in his 20s now, and he struggled a lot. But uh, I think God placed him in my life. Um, his father is not around, and. Uh, we just have a great relationship. He comes up, he hugs me, tells me he loves me. And um, we work on cars together. So it's, it's things like that. And there's, he's not the only one. There's several that this has been uh, a situation where um, I think God's fingerprints have been, he's been through my life all along. You know, I wasn't even tall enough to be a policeman in the beginning. <laughs> so I guess they disprove that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or I did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, I just pray that that's what happens with this today, that it changes the course of someone's life. And thank you for being willing to share because it's true, God's
0: gonna take this and he's gonna use it for good. I told you as I came alongside of you that you can be rest assured that Adam's proud of you, that you're taking this issue and you are helping so many other people. Thanks for sharing your pain with us but we also know that in your sharing that pain um, God is refilling your tank with love and um, just thank you so much and so I just want to say to the church here one of the things that I think is really important for us to understand is we need to talk about these things, this is important but the second thing is this do you remember what Jesus told us how the world will know that we are his followers is by the way that we love each other and I want to remind you when you walk through these halls and people are walking by you and especially if it's a young man or a young woman in the ages of 10 to 34 don't walk by them without saying hi to them because you never know how your just your verbal acknowledging that they're alive can make a difference i really pray that as a church i know these last three weeks have been pretty heavy i'm ready to move on to. But I got to tell you, though, I'm sure thankful that God walked this journey with us because we need to know this. We need to talk about these things, and we need to be able to share it with one another. And I want to remind you once again, too, that if you're in that place where you're hurting, and you don't see like there's any hope, there is hope, and his name is Jesus. But I also want you to know this. I believe that one of the reasons or one of the things that Jesus does to work his best work is he works through his people. Guys, the world needs the church. The world needs us to be involved in community with one another. Not to stay away from each other, but to come together with each other to encourage one another and love one another. And so we have one of our own that has gone through a very difficult time and there may be others. Let's right now, let's just take a moment and let's let's pray and let's ask God, God, show me where it is that you're working that I might run and join you and be a word of encouragement to someone else. Let's pray.